Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. This story includes discussions of sexual assault. Hey, Chicago, I'm Justin Bull, in for Aaron Allen, and this is The Rundown. There's a new law on the books in Illinois this year. This new law is intended to make it easier for survivors of gender-based violence in the workplace to sue their employers when they've been subjected to things such as sexual harassment or even sexual assault on the job at the hands of another co-worker. This is WBEZ investigative reporter Dan Mihalopoulos. He says this new law is kind of an update to an existing law that's been around since 2003, one that evidently didn't go far enough to protect survivors of workplace sexual assault. The Gender Violence Act was passed back in in 2003, and it's not quite as airtight as maybe the original sponsors had hoped it would be or as some of the plaintiffs and their lawyers had hoped it would be. Uh, They come into situations where it's unclear if you can sue your employer when this happens to you at work or if you can only sue the actual person who committed the sexual harassment, the sexual assault. There were some court cases, including one about five years ago, that involved a maintenance man at an apartment building in Chicago who uh, committed sexual assault. And, you know, his employers allegedly knew that he had those tendencies, those proclivities, and that he was a creep, if not much worse than that. uh, That might be mild adjective to use for him. So then it became pretty clear to the advocates for survivors of gender violence and to the plaintiff's lawyers that they needed a cleanup bill of sorts that would make it a little bit more obvious under what circumstances can you sue your employer as well as the perpetrator of the actual gender violence. So what are those circumstances? We're going to get into that in this conversation. Now, this new law had been in the works since at least 2019. But then in 2021, Dan broke a series of stories about the Chicago Park District that made things a lot more urgent. The Park District's inspector general is looking into whether dozens of employees at the city's beaches and pools committed, quote, sexual assault, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, workplace violence, and other criminal acts. The Park District has been under scrutiny after revelations about sexual abuse. Lightfoot released a statement saying victims will be believed and abusers will be held accountable. Today, Dan talks to Aaron about how the voices of several former lifeguards led to a change in state law and how that state law might help survivors. Tell me, how did those allegations first come to your attention back in 2021? It was the spring of 2021, and, you know, I'll just say that we received a bunch of confidential documents that really gave us a sense of the scope of what had been a previously secret internal investigation Mm. at the Chicago Park District. There were complaints to the head of the Park District at the time. There was a complaint Mm. even to the mayor at the time, who was Lori Lightfoot, and she passed it on to the Park District. And for a year, this sort of languished secretly until we obtain these confidential documents and we break the story that it was widespread allegations at beaches and pools around the city involving, you know, 
dozens of workers in the aquatics department. For more than a year, investigators for the Park District have been looking into allegations of widespread serious sexual misconduct involving lifeguards at the city's pools and beaches. It was primarily supervisors uh, allegedly committing sexual misconduct against younger uh, people that they managed uh, as young as 15 and 16 years old. Dan Mihalopoulos reports. Nearly a dozen former lifeguards have told WBEZ about their own experiences at the city's beaches and pools. It was so ingrained and no one really could do anything about it. This woman, who asked not to be identified, says she was constantly harassed as a 16-year-old rookie at a Northside pool about 10 years ago. Tell me what has been the major fallout from this reporting over the last couple of years. Yeah, there was a lot of fallout, um, not immediately, but but pretty soon. Uh, later on that year in 2021, we had resignations of the longtime CEO of the Park District, Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly resigned tonight. He was suspended back in August after dozens of lifeguards claimed they suffered abuse and harassment. The president of the Park District Board, Avis Lavelle. The Chicago Park District fallout continues tonight with the resignation of Board President Avis Lavelle. Uh, although she said that she was being made as something of a scapegoat or being thrown under the bus for the mayor at the time. I operated based on what I was told was happening. We also had criminal cases. One case is pending and another one ended up with with a guilty plea where the the victims were like in their teens, you know, basically wow. young girls working at, at beaches and pools around the city for the Chicago Park District at the time. And, and the perpetrators of the crimes allegedly were, you know, supervisors at those places. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we start to see, of course, the lawsuits. She's listed as Jane Doe in the lawsuit filed Thursday against the Chicago Park District and three lifeguard employees. She worked as a junior lifeguard at Oak Street Beach, a coveted assignment for four years starting in 2014 when she was just 16 years old. Uh, The running tally is roughly $2 million, but there were two more cases filed in Cook County Circuit Court just last month, uh, which we reported on here at WBZ again uh, at beaches up and down the lakefront, north side, south side, uh, pools. And, um, y- you know, these issues of, of whether the park district is liable as the employer start to come up. From what I understand, the park district itself was kind of really leaning into this question, right, that you pose of like, can you sue an employer? Tell me how they were doing that. Yeah, I think leaning in is a good way to put it when you file a motion that says, in these cases, that the case should be dismissed because the Gender Violence Act of 2003 shouldn't apply to employers, including municipalities or park districts that are government, taxpayer-funded bodies, and Mm. employers themselves. Obviously, uh, in the case of the park district, they have several thousand employees at the beaches and pools where where they're you know paying and supervising you know teenagers in most cases and so they're yeah leaning in when they get hit with these lawsuits and they've acknowledged publicly that it was a huge problem they've promised reforms they've fired a bunch of people cleaned house and now wow. they go into court and they say 
you know, this is not a press conference where you're uh, discussing somebody's resignation, right? This is not the mayor saying we apologize to all the survivors and we're going to do better by you. This is a court case where these lawyers are trying to evade liability for the park Mm. district now. And they're saying, hey, the law doesn't apply to us. Now, they ended up settling some of those cases because maybe even they didn't think that that would work. But again, it underscored the point that we made earlier in this conversation, right, Aaron, that the law didn't make crystal clear when Mm. you can or cannot sue an employer for the actions of employees who, you know, may have uh, victimized other employees or or other people in the course of their work. Yeah. And while they're on the while they're on the clock, while they're on your dime. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and folks who you are responsible for vetting and and folks who you are responsible for keeping safe as well as an employer. Exactly. Um, so let's get into the new law. I mean, tell me how this new Protect Survivors of Gender-Based Violence law is different from the one from 2023, the Gender Violence Act. Generally, regardless of who the employer is, there are two sorts of circumstances where the employer can be sued uh, clearly and and you can win. One is if the employer fails to supervise or train Mm. the employees adequately. Hmm. And uh, two, if they fail to take uh, remedial measures against an alleged offender. So they knew that this person had accusations that they were committing these sorts of um, acts of sexual misconduct, gender-based misconduct, and they didn't do anything about it. Who were some of those sponsors and, and other folks who wanted this law passed? Yeah, there were a lot of the trial lawyers. The National Trial Lawyers Association has an Illinois chapter. They pushed for it. Uh, there's a lawyer I, I talked to named Bridget Dignan who represents uh, people in cases that have settled, one that had a settlement at the Park District of close to a million dollars. I believe she testified on behalf of the legislation. Um, and then, you know, the actual legislators who have to to put their names on these laws and um, and vote on them. Mm-hmm. I talked to Will Gazzardi uh, right before the law went into effect, and, and uh, that was in December. And, and this is what uh, he had to tell me about what motivated him to be the, the chief sponsor in the House. This kind of violence can be systemic. You know, it's not always just the actions of one individual. You know, often that individual's actions are enabled by people and systems who turn a blind eye, who should know, who should intervene, who should stop these things from happening and don't. And so I think our message to survivors of this kind of violence is that we're going to hold accountable not just the perpetrators of the violence, but those people and institutions who should have intervened and did it. Hmm. Yeah, so he, he made some important points there. One of them, he used the word systemic which I think is really important here. Yeah, absolutely. And this is exactly why, for instance, the Park District story or so many other Me Too scandals that have come to the surface in the last seven, eight, nine years, nationally and locally, um, are, are people's eyes were opened up, whether it's the Catholic Church or the Park District or Hollywood. Uh, we can go on and on, right, with examples yeah. of, of places that have had like you said, systemic problems with gender-based violence, with sexual harassment, abuse, and assault. Uh, Again and again, we see situations where they knew. 
who knew what when is right. The always a question for investigative reporters, particularly, and for all of us. And let's not forget, too, a lot of times if you're a survivor, you sue the perpetrator. Perpetrator might not have the resources to give you the sort of compensation that a judge or jury might say that you deserve. But an employer has much deeper pockets, particularly when you're talking about a taxpayer-funded agency like the Chicago Park District. Employers will also have, obviously, insurance, legal insurance, to Mm -hmm. uh, protect them in situations like this or to cover those settlements. And and sometimes the lawyers will push very hard to to reach a settlement because they're afraid that the, the ultimate resolution may be much worse than any settlement for them. Did this law being passed have detractors? Who who was opposed to this going through as it did? In terms of the detractors, I'm looking at the votes. It was 50 to nothing ultimately in the state Senate, and it was 73-35 in the Illinois House when they took the final vote in May. I wasn't there when they when they did that, but um, according to transcript from that House debate, there was only one lawmaker who spoke against uh, this measure, and that was Representative Dan Ugaste, of, uh, Republican of Geneva in the western suburbs, and he said these changes would, quote, bring down our economy even further, and his exact comment was, All this is doing is adding more fuel for the various groups to try and make money off of litigation in this state, and it's going to hamper business, and it's going to keep them from hiring more people and investing in their businesses and expanding the Illinois economy. And he felt that the laws that were existing would allow employees to still collect from the employer if there was, in fact, something that the employer did to contribute to the situation that ended up in gender violence. You know, like we've said, the advocates didn't feel that was the case, didn't feel it was airtight, wanted to sort of close whatever loophole may have existed. And, you know, ultimately the law passed both chambers and was signed by by Governor Pritzker and, and has gone into effect. But, yeah, there was pushback from the business community um, because uh, ultimately I think the business groups were neutral. That was the best position Mm. that they could bring them to on this change, Mm -hmm. that they didn't actively oppose it. I imagine it's not really good for business either to oppose a law that would (laughs) expose companies and other employers to greater liability when they turn a blind eye to sexual misconduct of a gender-based nature. So this has just happened, just went into effect January 1st. How do you envision this law really changing things going forward? Yeah, I think ultimately even these plaintiff lawyers would say, although they make their money off of these cases, that they hope this will compel employers to do the right thing when these sort of situations arise in the workplace, that they won't let the problems fester, that they won't let more people be victimized after they've already become aware that there's a problem you know, I th- I think that that would have an effect on the employers knowing that there's no way to wiggle out of liability, that maybe they'll they'll do the right thing uh, as soon as these problems come to light instead of, you know, creating more situations where we can go back and say, oh, man, they knew about this. <clears throat> they let it continue. They let it happen again and again, even though they, they any reasonable person would have would have realized 
that, hey, we, we have a problem here that we should be dealing with directly, forthrightly, immediately. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Dan Mihalopoulos is an investigative reporter on WBEZ's government and politics team. Dan, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think I think it's a really complicated topic, and uh, I appreciate you not shying away from it because of the complexity. And I think we broke it down as clearly and uh, incisively and interestingly as we could. That's it for today. Sarah Stark and I produce The Rundown. Ariel Van Cleve is our editor, and our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR Network. If you liked this episode, please rate and review the show. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Justin Bull. Thanks for listening.